Welcome in, everybody. We are sorry for marking, and we are back around our WWE water cooler this week. Fresh off a live appearance at SmackDown here in Louisville. We're traveling back to the Attitude Era. We have a gimmick segment. Lots going on this week. Chase, you ready to get this show started? What is up, Wes? What is up, fellow Marks? Thank you once again for joining us around the wrestling water cooler. I am ready. We got another loaded episode, although we're going to continue with maybe our negative trend. So for those of you who like to complain about the product, we're going to continue down that road. But we also got some good stuff to mark out, too. We got a couple awards to give out. Smart report. I'm pumped about it all, man. Almost money in the bank time, too. So you mentioned we may go a little more negative than we normally do here on the podcast. We are, the name is sorry for marking for crying out loud. We're here to mark out. But this week, we're going to have some fun with it. We are heading back to Chase's Attitude Era. Our brand new trilogy will be the worst moments from our eras. And this is wrestling, folks, so there is lots of interesting things to choose from. So we're going to have some fun with this one. One of the easier research topics that I did in our whole Sorry for Marking history was finding the worst, most embarrassing, dumbest moments of the Attitude Era. There was plenty to go around. It was the best era for a lot of reasons. It was also the worst era at doing disgusting things, and I, I can't wait to share one of those disgusting things with you fellow Marks today. And for our gimmick segment this week, since we did go to SmackDown, we were live in attendance this past week with some of our fellow Day One is H listeners, a couple heel wives there with us in attendance, and a new fan, which was interesting. Yes, I'd be interested to get his input on the show. Sorry for Mark and converting people one fan at a time, one listener at a time. So make sure you guys are subscribing too. But yeah, it was a fun show, and I can't wait to we'll do a little smart report on that here in just a second. Shit, let's do it right now, Chase. So, I guess, do you want to address the elephant in the room first? We got to see this attendance decline, I guess, kind of firsthand. It's kind of a smack in the face to sit down and see one half of the arena empty. Yeah, that's real. It's a real that's thing. That's a real thing. And we have gone to the basically the same show what, three out of the last four years now? It, yeah, feels like that. At least three for you, maybe two for me. But yeah, we've been a lot lately. The last few years, they've been in Louisville about a month or so after, after WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. First two years, bottom arena's full. About half of the top is full. Good crowd, good lively crowd. Last night, man, the whole hard cam side tarped off. The whole top arena tarped off. Still a lively crowd. I think we have good wrestling fans here in Louisville. We do. But... The numbers just weren't there. It was a it was a noticeable drop. I didn't go in there trying to look for that, but you no. couldn't you couldn't miss it. You couldn't miss it. It's weird. It's just something and we'll bring it up in a little bit that kind of speaks to the overall de- decline in the product and is it the quality, is it other factors? I don't know, but we'll speak on that later. But that aside, the show itself after a pretty decent raw but that's bad to say it because they threw all their eggs in one basket on Raw and it still came out only decent. I thought we got a solid SmackDown. So I thought the vibe in the arena was good. I thought there was star power. We didn't get Becky Lynch and Roman, and that's always when you don't get arguably the two top stars in the company. That's rough. Or Charlotte. on a big, Arguably the three top stars in the company. That's rough on a big show like that. And maybe if, are they, if they're doing that at other towns, that might explain <laughs> why their attendance is down. But this was a SmackDown Live. This was a national 
you know, worldwide televised show. So it was weird that that didn't happen. I get, though, there's other factors. Aside from that, you still had Kofi, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, Shane McMahon. A fun show overall, even though it lacks some of the bigger stars. So we'll get to some more of the wrestling stuff later in the show when we're getting out when we're giving out awards and just talking about SmackDown and Raw in general. But just more of the live experience is what we want to talk about here briefly. So from your seat where you were sitting, Chase, give me the most over heel, most over face from your your own personal ears in the arena there. Most over heel on SmackDown Live on Tuesday was Sami Zayn. Or Shane McMahon. It's close. Mm-hmm. It's very close. Most over face is also close, I think, between AJ Styles and Kofi Kingston. I think that's being generous to AJ. Kofi, you think, was the most over? I think it was Kofi. Wow. That's awesome. I, I, think, both people, got huge... I think Kofi and the fans are kind of still riding that WrestleMania wave. Like, people... We're just excited to see Kofi. Like, we haven't seen Kofi since his big win, so we kind of felt like we get to celebrate with Kofi real quick. We got to have our Kofi mania. Right. Yeah. And I think people are still kind of getting that at each arena he shows up to. That's true. He's still riding that momentum. He might be riding it for a long time. That was such a good match and story. But that was awesome to see. That was probably my biggest pop of the night. I have a feeling if Becky was there, that pop would have been something to have that could compete with Kofi, but who knows? We wouldn't have been able to hear much over Alex. We wouldn't have. We wouldn't have any idea. <laughs> That's true. We had some people that were pretty let down. They didn't get some of their top stars. But we got the vibe was great. I think that was the biggest face and the biggest heel. What was your kind of, I don't know, live is always funny for me because it, it really hammers home the point that I want fireworks back, okay? And I, I want that damn ramp back. Yes. Those are two things that are missing from the live experience that they could easily... If they want to, in, I don't know if they're going this route, but if they want to increase their live attendance, those are two things that I think might do the trick, or Question. at least help. If AEW debuts on TV in the fall with a big ass ramp and fireworks, do you think they come back? Yes, <laughs> at least fireworks. At least fireworks come back if AEW's got fireworks. Mm-hmm. Competition sure. is good. Yes, it is good. <laughs> Put some pressure on them, AEW. But this was a fun. This was a fun show. You know the women, and I know you weren't talk about the wrestling later. But I was excited for numerous women's pops that we didn't get. But the iconics are really over, and I don't know if it's as heels or as people. They're just entertaining, and you can. There's a buzz in the crowd when they're out there because you know they're going to do something entertaining. I don't even know if that was on television. That might just been a live. Oh, it might. A yeah, live you're promo. right. Well, we might have got a good perk here mm-hmm. in Louisville that you guys didn't see. Yeah. Another fun, another little live bit that I don't think was on TV was Buddy Murphy coming out and cutting a pretty good promo on Mustafa Ali during, I'm sorry, just Ali during a commercial break. I like the swag he has. Alex, day one is H fan, turned to me and said it's got he's got a little Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor swag to oh, him. Oh, interesting. I can see that. So watch out for Murphy because we all know what he can do in the ring. Might be a shot in the arm that SmackDown needs. What was your favorite match of the night? Man, that's, you know, it's close. We got three that I thought, I, we got two great matches. And so Andrade versus Ali was short because it got, they got interfered with, but it was a good match. The two that are competing for match of the night are the SmackDown tag title match and the triple threat main event. I think I'm going to give it to the triple threat main event. Okay. I think I would lean tag team. 
just a hair. The tag team started slower where I thought the triple threat main event was pretty exciting all the way throughout. Mm-hmm. That's my only. And it's, man, to see a tag title match and a WWE title match on a live show is still really special. Like, even if the product's down or as a wrestling fan, I live for that. A WWE title match at a live event. As predictable as the out- outcome might have been. So that that was the match of the night for me. And I can't wait to react to the new tag champs here in a little bit on the show. Yes, we will get to all that here very soon. Uh, we have a main event to get to first, though, so that's coming up here next. Any Before we wrap up this gimmick segment, anything you want to say about the live event? Anything you wish you... Just any last thoughts? Is there any music live for you? This might be an on-the-spot question for you. I don't know. That just hits so much harder than you knew on TV. Like Heavy Machinery, that music hits a little harder than I, than I always yeah. listen to on TV. Jinder Mahal's music is always so good. I thought Ember's entrance was cool. Ember Moon's entrance stuck out to me live. Mm-hmm. She has She's a cool got a entrance. cool entrance. Getting to see Paige after the release of uh, her movie and stuff, her, her, her entrance is always cool mm-hmm. live. It makes me pop. Yep, good show overall. I will never not tell you guys to go to a show when it's in your town. Go to a live wrestling show. House show, NXT, SmackDown. I mean, Raw, if you got the stamina. But just go. Because <laughs> they're all they're always fun. There'll be boring moments. Go to the bathroom. Get you a beer. The high moments are what wrestling is all about. My heart was out of my chest last night. And I knew Kofi was not losing that match. <laughs> and there were some close moments in that match. It was... Thunder bombs. It was all really good. Good stuff. So if any of our other listeners out there were at the show, be sure you were following us on social media so you can let us know what you all thought. What was your favorite match? Who stood out to you? Biggest heel, biggest yes, face? Yes, I saw a couple faces. I saw a couple people tweet me pictures. Sorry for marking the Liz and Desmond. If you all want to tweet us pictures from the show or let us know, like Wes said, your favorite parts of the show, hit us up at sorry for marking. Hit that follow button on Instagram. Hit the follow button. Let's be Facebook friends at Sorry for Marking. Go to the website. Most importantly, you can hit subscribe to our podcast, Sorry for Marking, on all those platforms. Google it if you don't want to go to those platforms because we're right there on Google too. Sorry for Marking in any podcast app. We appreciate all the love. And it might be a bit of a downtime in the business, but we continue to bring you the best markout content on the web on the interwebs every week. That's when it's even more important to lean on each other, Chase. Right. Because we're here for all the wrestling talk, the good, the bad. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing this. So any way you want to get involved, do it. Start your own little water coolers. Bring in friends, any wrestling friends you have out there. Invite them into the show. Tell them to listen to Sorry for Marking. Because, Wes, the best part about Sorry for Marking is we don't just live in this modern era world. We're not the biggest fans of it. We're not going to be like Sam Roberts Rosenberg. We're not going to sit in the modern air and stew and complain about it. We're not Wade Keller. We're taking a trip, Wes. Let's hop in the DeLorean. Let's go back to the Attitude Era. It's time for the main event. Well, here we are. And I, folks, I guess maybe there should be a disclaimer here. This may not be suitable for work, may not be suitable um, for school. So I hope you got some earbuds in because we, we are in the... We have that explicit tag. We're, we're free, Chase. 
Okay. Say what you need we to say. We can say whatever we want. That's fine. We're going fine. back to the attitude era. I know things it's, can get a little... It's not so much what we're going to say. It's 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 the action that I'll be describing, the words that I'll be using. Folks, we're in the attitude era. The day is February 28th, the year of our Lord 2000. Y2K is, is fresh off. We're all realizing we're going to live. And wrestling is as good as it's been. 98. Like I said, folks, 98... To 2001, whoo, that's a sweet spot. That is the sweet spot for wrestling. While you're talking, I'm going to try, just to kind of tie this into the overall conversation, I'm going to try to find ratings from those years. Good idea. Um, but you keep doing your thing. Oh, I will. So you mean to tell me you don't want to come to the hospital room and watch the birth? Oh, no, I guess not. All right, Wes ain't going to come in and watch this. Folks, we're about to enter backstage here in the Attitude Era on Raw on February 28, 2000. We're in the middle of a whirl, a whirlwind romance between Mark Henry, Sexual Chocolate, and Mae Young. Oh, I love it. Are we going to talk? Finally, Chase, are we going to talk about it? Are we going to talk about what you like to pretend never happened? You just ignore it? Oh, it's happening. It's happening. We're going to talk about it. A life was brought into the world on that night, some would say. Not the life we all expected to be. So... I didn't know where to start with this research, folks, but I do know the one moment that stood out to me as my absolute most worst, disgusting moment I've ever seen when I was a kid that I wanted to turn off wrestling for the night was Mae Young giving birth to a hand. A live, slimy, nasty hand. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is where I'm going to tell you all a little bit of the backstory um, about the layers of this story and how it came to be. And maybe this ended with some kind of cool WrestleMania feud or moment. No, uh, Mark Henry knocked up Mae Young. They were in love. They had a night full of passion. Uh, Mae Young does a splash down on the Crash Holly during a match while she's fighting, while she's pregnant. Who knows? That's, um, ir- that's irresponsible atti- as hell. It's the attitude error. That sends her into labor, naturally. Um, she gives birth to a hand. Folks, that's it. That's, that's... <laughs> I don't understand the meaning of this. <laughs> that's the story. Now, I don't, I don't know if it makes for the best audio for this trilogy, but this is not a trilogy for me to wax poetic. This is a negative trilogy, and this was terrible. And when people say, what... How in the world did Vince McMahon make himself a billionaire? It's because they're looking at things like this and wondering, who thinks this is good? Vince Vince McMahon, he thinks it's good. It's his childish toilet humor that I think I've always thought my humor is above, but yet I've watched wrestling more than I've watched any other thing in my entire life. So obviously something's working. But moments like these, they really make you wonder, man. They really make you wonder. Mae Young giving birth to a hand. Val Venus getting his penis chopped off by uh, the by the Asian clan. I, you don't know nothing about that either, do you? I, not choppy, until choppy, this podcast I didn't. Okay, choppy, choppy, pee-pee. I'll get you guys the exact... <laughs> Say that again. Say that shit again. Choppy, choppy, pee-pee was the mark-out moment of the night on a Raw during the Attitude Era. Val Venus gets his penis chopped off by Kai and Tai, a group of Japanese... It's a stable. It was... I know we talked about this. During the Attitude Era, the stables were strictly by race. Nation of Domination was the black stable. The Acolytes 
where the biker white biker gang, the Los Periquas were the Spanish guys. Kai and Tai was the Japanese guys, and they walked around with katanas. Val Venus had an affair with Yamaguchi-san's wife because he liked to have sex with a lot of women. This is the Attitude Era. Hello, ladies. They kidnap Val Venus, Kai and Tai does. They take him to the back. You guys can look this up. Um, it's not suitable for work. But they pull his pants down, and they say, choppy, choppy, pee-pee. And they... And it goes black. So you never know what happened. Turns out somebody saved him at the last minute. But the fact is, we were getting penises chopped off and giving birth. Hands were coming out of vaginas. It was an insane time to be a wrestling fan. And as a young boy who was just discovering what the hell all this was, it was absolutely just the worst stuff I could see. It was uncomfortable. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. Now, I could look at Stacey Keebler and, you know, I could look at, Trish Stratus in a thong all day long, but I can't handle giving birth to hands and choppy choppy pee pees. I just can't do it. That's so too mu- that's too much of this world for young little Chasse. So I don't know how much your ruthless aggression era is gonna have as far as penises getting cut off or or hands being birthed into this world, but let's hope the writers had enough sense to say this is not maybe what people want on their weekly wrestling product. Well, here's the thing, Chase. There's a fine line. Because, yeah, on the surface, that all sounds real bad. But I look at these numbers here. Dude. So the the ratings now, they're dropping to about two, the low two millions, if not below that. They're below two millions by the time these show in. Okay. Over six million people watched that episode of Raw, Chase. I Over know. Over six million people. Should they be chopping penises off with katanas on Raw next week? No. But there's a happy medium between... That the most extreme, what you know, whiplash kind of moment, yeah. and what we get where nothing really consequential ever Happens. seems to happen. There's a medium. There's a medium, and we got that for a while with Braun when he was destroying shit. But what if, in order to reach that medium, you have to go to the extreme and then see what lands, and if it lands, you stick to it. But you can't do that anymore, and that's what I I'm know. saying. It's tough. Yeah, you you can't just say. Let's have Kai and Tai chop off Val Venus's penis tonight. It might suck, but it might get over huge. Like, and you also don't have, like, they were getting 6 million viewers pretty much no matter what they did. And when you have that kind of comfort, when you have that kind of, we can do whatever we want as long as the hot stays the hot. Well, it's the chicken and the egg. Like, yeah. are they getting those viewers no matter what, or are they getting those viewers because people. What what's gonna happen on Raw this week? We've got to watch to find out. Yeah, like that kind of thing. I think I think that a lot of people tuned in for the twists, turns, and violence. I also think people did not mind sticking around for the penises getting cut off and the hands being burnt because they got such a variety of so many other things they cared about. And I didn't care about the penis getting cut off or the almost said the penis being burnt. <laughs> I didn't care about the penis getting cut off or the hand being burned, but they were easier to swallow when I'm watching an awesome wrestling product overall. And maybe that stuff doesn't fit into the modern era because it's impossible to give us that across the board solid product now. And we haven't seen it for years, but I do know that choppy choppy PP didn't hurt ratings. And that might speak more to just the 90s 
in the early <laughs> 2000s American Pie sense of humor that kind of permeated throughout. Yeah, that you have era. to that stuff you have changes. to change with the times. Right. But you need, I think, you can do the equivalent of that for a 2019 wrestling in a 2019 American culture. Well, it's going to be toned down and it's going to be much um, less offensive. We'll say. And but it, there's ways you can do that. And it's going to be interesting when we... And I, I know I sound like a broken record because the third episode of our trilogies are always the best ones. But when we get to that third episode of the trilogy, we might not... When we get to the worst of the modern era, I don't think we're going to be saying they went too far and this is just disgusting and they crossed the line. I think we're going to be saying they didn't go far enough. This, this was, was real lame. This was real lame. They're going to come up way short. And... I'm not for sure, but I think that's what we'll find as this trilogy goes along, which makes, just like a broken record, I say every week, the second episode of our trilogy, your ruthless aggression era, all the more important. How did it evolve in that era? How did it? How did people react to what we were just coming out of? Mark Henry, who was still there, you know, this guy who had this career from nation of domination to sexual chocolate to hall of pain. Like, it's crazy to me that he had this and he was involved in so many of these moments. So it's funny that I've done cover the Mark Henry spectrum. Well, but- how about a quick shout out to Mark Henry as a guy. So I hope you guys joined us for our last trilogy. It was the best B-plus players of each era or the best to never win a world title. Chase said there was two categories where if you fall into these as a wrestler, your chances of winning a world title aren't great. Just the good hand, the good solid worker that can have a good match with anybody or the over-the-top silly gimmick. Mm-hmm. Mark Henry had some over-the-top silly gimmicks, and he still comes out of that, and he gets to win the World Heavyweight Championship. Right, I think that's cool. I think it speaks to Mark Henry's ability to take those silly gimmicks and still make them work and still get them over, which he did because apparently 6 million people watched Mae Young give birth to his son, the hand. Which, by the way, to wrap up, if you all would like to... I know you're wondering, well, did the hand go to college? Um, Did he have a successful life? Did he have little hands? Did he meet a girl hand? Uh, he's grown by all accounts. He's doing well. Um, he was on Raw 1000. So if you guys want to go check him out, he, looked good. he, he looks great. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's in great shape. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't have the best childhood. I'm not sure what kind of dad Mark was. Uh, May Young unfortunately passed away. I think in 2014. <laughs> so when you grow up without a mom and a dad, <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> But I'm sure Vince took care of him because that's Vince's baby at the end of the day. We all know that. So I think that wraps up this trilogy. Oh, I, and I also can't leave without giving a shout out. <laughs> I also, I have to, I can't leave. I have to give one quick before we hop back in the DeLorean. This was pre, this was a little bit older. This was right when WWF was. They said, let's just go to the edge. And they went real far at first. Al Snow and Big Boss Man had a feud. Let me just say this. The midpoint of the feud, the big peak thing that really made it personal was Big Boss Man uh, feeding Al Snow his own dog. Uh, He cooked it. He fed it to him. It was a segment in a hotel room. Big Boss Man fed Al Snow his own dog, which obviously inevitably leads to a dog kennel match. Well, yeah, Chase. How else are you going to handle that situation? Whoo! I don't know, but this wasn't for... I'm sorry. Not a dog kennel match. Kennel from Hell match. 1999 Unforgiven. Kennel from Hell. 
Go check it out. Arguably the worst match in WWF history. The, the objective was you get out of one cage, you have to get through the dogs to get out of the second cage. But the dogs were supposed to be these vicious beasts. Yeah, I picture like these giant, just just prowling the ring, just barking, waiting for somebody to come. Yeah, right. teeth, you know. No, these were cute little pups. Um, this probably, now that I think about it, was a Laurenitis mistake. the The pups were, <laughs> the pups were cute. The worst thing they probably did there was a lot of peeing and pooping. So the cameras were having to avoid the pee and the poop, and it was it was a mess. Go check it out. I don't even know if the WWE Network put it on there. I've never watched this match. You got to go heard, watch it. I've only heard tale of the, the this description dog. says trapping the two together in a man-sized kennel surrounded by parentheses disappointingly tame Rottweilers. <laughs> <laughs> they are Rottweilers, but they were the nicest ones you'll ever meet. So go check that out if you're looking for some in-rain stuff that gets that's as bad as it gets in WWF. I tell you, I don't know what constitutes a winner in this trilogy, but I'm I my horse has got to be way out in front at the early <laughs> start of this race. Yeah, once again, the bar has been set high in a very unique way. So, <laughs> Who knows what I'm going to come with next week for the Ruthless Aggression era. It'll be interesting. Make sure you guys tune in for that. Um, if you want to go back and listen to the our B-plus trilogy, you can do that in our archives. Um, just scroll down there in, in our podcast feed. It's sorry for marking. That was a good trilogy, the last one we did. A lot about Owen Hart, Gold Dust, stuff like that. So just like that, I guess we're back in our era, our modern era here, and it's time to give out some awards and stuff, huh? We do have awards to right? give out. Let's do it. I feel like we got here so fast. This episode's flying by. It is flying by. Well, when you're talking about the worst of the worst, it's, like I said, it's hard to spend an hour on it's the dog. It's on... just, you know, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> that was a good one. Choppy, choppy, pee-pee. So let's start with the big news from the week. You know, who who cares what brand we start with this week, Chase? Because, damn it, we're going to have a wild card. What's your, what's your temperature check on the wild card? <laughs> so, it's been a roller coaster. Uh-huh. Initially, I was like, oh, shit. Like, here comes the end of the brand split. It's a terrible idea. It's an overreaction. Then I watched Raw. And it was better. Like, Raw was better than it has been. Can't deny that. And that helped. The, having more stars on the show helped. Mm-hmm. But now that I've watched SmackDown and I came out of it, I think I'm back to being kind of down on it again. Okay. What, so, there's no denying the ratings are down, the product is down, and this was, the wild card was a ratings panic move. It almost feels too obvious to even ignore. I mean, they basically... Said it? In, even in storyline, it's a last second, it's a split second decision. Mm-hmm. Vince didn't go out there to announce that. Roman showed up, and he couldn't stop him, so to look like he still had control... He said, oh, well, this is what we're going to do, since I can't stop you anyway. You think this is some kind of meta storyline? God, I hope so. Yeah, me too. Like Vince with the whole, like, there has to be more. This is what I was going to ask you. Like, there has to be something, <laughs> a bigger story here, right? I guess it's as good as mine. Like I, him laying it on so thick, like, I'm a genius. This is the best idea I've ever had. Like, I want to believe right. that this is setting up for some kind of event. But we've said this so many times when Vince makes his return. So I, I keep feeling like, okay, if you're going to play the McMahon card to get a ratings boost, it's definitely going to work because the McMahons are heat magnets and they're draws and I like them. But it's only going to work if they have to be interesting too. And it seems like either Vince has legit kind of lost it 
and he's back there saying, I'll just go out there and I'll say, yeah, it's a wild card. And that's exactly what he did. Or he said, oh, yeah, and then I'm going to go out and act stupid. and Because right, people think. Like, that's kind of Because that's the narrative right now is that. Yeah. But I'm get, that would be giving him credit that he hasn't earned, at least in the last, in this modern era when it comes to that meta storyline stuff. Maybe it's changing. Maybe this is kind of a reality era type of storyline, just like the Build of Mania was very reality era-ish. But I don't know. And I don't really know what the solution is overall to the product being down. Is the solution the McMahons? I mean, I know you had some ideas, but and it we can't it's not a simple fix. So we're we're kind of shooting the breeze here around the water cooler. What do you all think? I mean, we right. don't know. It's an interesting like this is normally like we say, we don't go super negative here, but this is the conversation around the business right now, and I think it's a really interesting conversation to have. Oh yeah. I think the McMahon and the authority thing is an interesting one. Years ago, you had two big stars your company was built around, and they were, you were relying on in a lot of ways. You had Rock, you had Austin. Rock goes off to Hollywood, Austin takes his ball and goes home, then he's injured and has to retire. All of a sudden, you're like, shit. I think they made a conscious decision. We can't put all of our eggs, like we can't let stars get bigger than the company. Mm-hmm. I think from that point on, and you see it so much now, so much is about the brand and the WWE and the McMahons. Like, the McMahons are the royal family of this. I think they made the conscious decision, and it makes sense as a business. You want the business to be the main thing, and then you bring the stars in, and the business lasts long after those stars are gone. It makes a lot of sense. But I'm wondering if that didn't backfire just a little bit, because it's hard to make stars when that's the case. Right. So you've prevented the creation of stars by making the McMahons the stars of the show. And the best analogy I heard... Shout out to the Wade Keller podcast for this one. It would be like tuning into an NFL game and everything was from the perspective of the owner. Like you're watching the game from his box. The receiver makes a big catch. And instead of talking about the receiver, say, you know, well, what does that mean? Like, you know, what does that mean for the owner? Mr. Rooney might sign him to the extension now. Right. Oh, Rooney's got to like that. Like that was one hell of a play. Like you're not making the running back the star. You're not making the receiver the star. You're making the owner or maybe even the coach the star. Right. I 100% see your point. But to play devil's advocate. The McMahons are really good and entertaining. The McMahons are really good and entertaining. And to even play even more devil's advocate, your top, well, I'm contradicting myself. I'll be speaking out of both sides of my mouth. But the top three stories that went into WrestleMania, yes, the McMahons were involved in all of them. But it didn't <laughs> feel like it didn't feel like they were the stars of all of them. It felt like they were creating a star in Becky, they created a star in Kofi, and they created a star in Rollins. Hey, that's good. In Rollins, the McMahons were less so involved in that. But all the Vince stuff with Kofi, you can argue that it didn't need to happen. But I don't I don't know how much like, it, to me, those are the best things going. Kofi, Rollins, well, Becky, those were the best things going. I so the best the f- things going involve the McMahons. Right. And I think a lot of the things we're going to talk about, I think we are seeing some subtle changes. There's going to be examples of them doing all these things right, which I think is going to be like the silver lining at the end of this conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think Kofi's one of them. I think Becky's one of them. Mm-hmm. I think Seth's one of them. Mm-hmm. But you're mean overall, though. Yeah. And could the Seth ever 
if you see Rock or Austin standing, and these are extreme examples, I know. Throw maybe Triple H or Undertaker, any of the top tier stars from the past. You put them in the ring with Vince or Paul Heyman, whoever, Bischoff. Whatever authority. Seemed, yeah, whatever authority figure was. They seemed equal to or greater than that authority figure. Uh-huh. It doesn't feel like that anymore. Vince is out. Seth and Styles are out there with Vince. Well, and I'm going to put you guys in a tag match. Well, I don't want to tag with him. Well, you're tagging with him. Oh, okay. You're right. How, how would that have gone down with Undertaker back in the day? How Tombstone, would that have gone down with slam, Yeah. No way. No. Fu- it's just yeah. different. It's just different. You're and right. I don't know if it. Like, it's you, more about overcoming the authority and not fighting the authority. It Kofi or over- maybe the authority just does authority things and stays a little less involved, and you just let the main guys be the main guys. <laughs> yeah. Because, it, yeah. I, it's tough, man. I don't know. I, I don't want to talk in circles. And I, because I agree, you're right. And and across the board, the pro, you can't argue that the product is down. This wild card is not the way, but it feels like the brand split gets ruined every time because there's a ratings panic and we just yeah. blur everything. Right. And that's what's frustrating to me. What if, let me throw another idea at you I had. I'm still, I don't know if this is the answer. Obviously, there's no one answer, but just something I thought about earlier. I'm still working through in my head. What if you kind of can have the best of both worlds? You keep the brand split, but you eliminate titles. You unify all these double titles we have on each show, and the champion bounces back and forth. So you have stars on each show. Being a champion actually means something different, Mm -hmm. where a lot of times... Because there's less of them. Right, there's less of them, and as a champion, you can go to both both shows. shows. Nobody else can do that. Huge advantage. And I think there's another advantage too. We talk about building stars. Like that's, it's such a cop out thing to say as us podcasters, you know, because we don't have to do it and it really doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> building stars starts at the bottom, it starts in the mid card. That's where these guys start. I don't think we see as many mid card feuds that progress stories, have consequences. I think you can agree with that in a yes. nutshell. Yes. Okay, and I think a reason why is because when you get to a pay-per-view, there's no room on the card for those matches. Like me as a wrestling fan, I categorize stories and chapters in stories as Mm pay-per-views. Those are the matches I remember. That's how, like, okay, everything leading up to this match was this. Coming out of this pay-per-view, it was this. Right. That's how I categorize stories. If you never get that moment on a pay-per-view... I just think you look back at our eras, you had that. You had little gimmicky stories and different feuds and rivalries, personal rivalries, because they, mm-hmm. they weren't about a title, so they had to be personal. Mm-hmm. But now you have 12 titles, so everything has to be about the title. Okay, so let's plug some names in this, because you're right, and I'm seeing your point. For example, in the Attitude Era, a huge personal mid-card feud before any titles were really involved was Stone Cold Steve Austin and Owen Hart. It got personal. They had pay-per-view matches. An example of this in the modern era, we can't we can't find one because, to your point, <laughs> it doesn't happen. But really, there should be room on the pay-per-view for a big Andrade versus Ali match because you know that both of them are fighting for that next spot in line because Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston and Kevin Owens are wrapping up a feud mm-hmm. here. You know, 
Right, you're or right. even Finn with the Intercontinental title. Right, like they should be even. They should be working their way towards that. Right, title. right. You're right. They should. They should be up to the getting to the the first, the next step in their yeah. process. But what you're saying is there should be more room and more time for stories in that process. I just like think oh, Andrade if, with a big win over Ali. He he's earned that match against Finn for an Intercontinental title, and the story was good with right. Ali. And now you're you've learned something about Ali. You know about his character, you know about his goals, his ambitions, you care mm-hmm. a little bit. So he can move on to something cool. Yeah, and you're invested in him. Right. I think if we expect that from them it's hard to do right now cuz you don't have despite all the content they have and all the hours, maybe the answer is just have big raw matches like you've said for months now. You just mm-hmm. want more big raw matches. Mm-hmm. And maybe that would be enough to stand out and to build feuds. I think so. But I think if you really want to do it and maybe it's just me, but things are so... I tie everything to the pay-per-views. Like, that's where the next step in the story comes. Mm-hmm. And I think you need that for these feuds to mean a little more. And the only reason to do that... And this is something I've been against. But now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know. Maybe you need to unify some of these titles so you can open up some mid-card feud room. It wouldn't be the worst thing. I mean, half the time... You can't say you can't even remember who the whole all the champions are anyway, so it's right. hard to really carry the torch. For and that's not good. Having all the titles. A good way to build stars is to have your titles mean something because mm-hmm. they can help elevate people. You have fewer titles, they mean more. That means you can jump brands, so you're different. As we talk through this, it, there's a lot of positives to that idea. There are a lot. Of, there's a lot of positives. It still it still perplexes me. Just to wrap it up, it's crazy that we do have so many hours of wrestling. So many. I mean, WWE YouTube, WWE Network, Twitter, Instagram, backstage videos everywhere, everywhere you look, and you can't find room to tell those stories somewhere, those pre-intercontinental title stories, those, you can't put layers on that, and And it feels like sometimes they do, but... And they have, they'll have good stuff, like they have talented people, they do good segments and fun things, I could show you a bunch of little backstage interviews that are a lot of fun right now. Adrian has just texted us when one of our Day One is H listeners talking about the new tag champions, or could could be the start of something special. But But if that's all you, if that never progresses, mm -hmm. like in six months... If name a mid card guy, Bobby Roode, Andrade, Andrade. If six months from now, eight months from now, Andrade has not changed. He hasn't advanced in his journey. He hasn't gained any. You can't recall any big. He's just the moments same. or pay per view matches yeah. or or he's won this feud or he, he has this night. He just hasn't progressed in right. any way. His character, his wrestling journey hasn't progressed. It's still, oh, there's Andrade. This is what happened with Bray Wyatt for so long. Yep. He never progressed. Yep. He was just spinning his wheels doing the same stuff. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of these mid-card guys find themselves. You look, I mean, let's name off some mid-card guys. Bobby Roode. Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe. Who shouldn't be mid-card, but he is, and he's, his wheels are spinning. But if he's mid-card, he's doing good, interesting feuds and advancing mm-hmm. that'd be that's what you need in your mid card mm-hmm. why is that not happening tag think about the tag team division i could you would think in theory you could fill five hours a week just on good tag team wrestling in theory <laughs> in theory i don't know i hate to sound like we're just being so negative and nitpicky but it seems so simple to us podcasters well the, the <laughs> and the most frustrating thing is the number one thing is and what i told west before we hit record there, in my opinion, pure wrestling talent and potential, there's never been more on a wrestling roster, ever, from top to bottom, from NXT UK, Pete Dunne and Walter are main roster talents, Tony Storm is one of the best wrestlers in the world, 
and they're on a weekly WWE Network television show. So you have all this talent, and it just feels like, why are we talking about wheel spinning every week? Why are we talking about the product being stale when you can throw us fresh stories on five hours of television every week? It, that's that's the most. It's not like we're we're saying you know the cupboard's really bare, but they got to find a way. They're not lacking talent. This ain't '93. This ain't '94. Like wrestling's awesome. Like there's a lot of great wrestlers. But you know what? To be fair to these people, to Vince and all the guys working under him, that it's their job to make these things happen. If you are, if you have a decision to make, where to go out to eat, and you have 50 really good options, it's hard to get behind any one of those because they're all good. Where if you have six or three to choose from, it's a lot easier to make that choice. So when you have so much talent spread out all over the world and all these different brands, I get why it can be hard to sustain stories and pushes and get behind one person, but I think that's just what you have to do. And at the end of the day, the option that the restaurant that you pick out of the 50 you know, restaurants you had, all these nice restaurants you had to choose from has to be the best fucking restaurant because there's a lot, there's 49 other restaurants you could have chose from and you're going to choose this one. You need to carry things and you need to tell good stories with it. And oh yeah, the 49 other restaurants, there's enough room to tell good story. You know, you can, there's just room. There's room for that. You got five hours of television. I know what you're saying. If you only have six to choose from, the option is a lot easier. You still need, but you still need one out of six or one out of 50. Right. Right. Like, you know, you still got to get them there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the easy solution, there's no easy solution to it, but I really like your theory. I really like unifying the titles, having them go show for show, hopping show to show. Cause then when a guy wins a big, you know, say Finn finally wins the, the WWE title, a lot of people are going to be excited, even more so now that they get Finn on Monday and Friday. All right. Think of all the new matchups he could have for this title. Exactly. Man, that is man. Maybe we have a dear Vince coming. Maybe. Maybe we'll we clean really... that up and send it to Vince. Now, with all that negativity out of the way, we can give out a couple awards before we wrap up because we were in attendance for SmackDown, and it wasn't a bad week of wrestling. We're talking about no, this. Like I, Raw was better, I thought. What the what we're talking about, what we just talked about, was more of a, a macro level of the company and how they're moving forward, kind of their business model. So let's do this. Let's go through some things where we think maybe we are seeing changes. We okay. know they, they came out during the holidays, said it's a new era. We're going to make changes. They've made changes backstage. They've hired new creative people. They fired writers. Things are happening. So let's kind of talk about because I think we talk about creating new stars and having mid-card feuds that mean something. Mm-hmm. I think you look at people like Aleister Black, Lars Sullivan, Lacey Evans, Ricochet. Like, I see these people coming up, and they're set up to do these things we're saying. Yes. So maybe we're seeing some changes here, because that's all good. I don't want to act like everything's bad, because I do think there's a... And this is... I'm a WWE apologist, guys. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe this is the hope. I agree. And you look at... The, the the type of st- and I told you going into WrestleMania that I'm loving this reality era lean and it you can start doing that with those smaller type of guys if you're telling the story at the main event level of Ronda's on Twitter and saying this and Becky and he gets real personal if you can trickle that down 
and have it have a real personal good feud between an Aleister Black and an Andrade, you know, who no titles, like you said, two guys looking to tell a story, make a name for themselves. Right. There's still there's no titles, but there's still stakes. Exactly. And you know what those are. Exactly. They lost all their stakes. There's some. They, those are some good names. I I think examples of of it playing out have been Kofi Kingston and the the organic fans getting behind somebody and a mid card guy. Kind of. I know it happened all quickly, but it's okay when the when it felt natural. It happened quick, but it was a natural thing. That was a great example. WWE can say, "Oh yeah, we'll just go with the flow here." That was encouraging for me. Yeah, I think that was a big step Mm -hmm. in the right direction. And now you've seen this week winning two title matches on back-to-back nights. Mm -hmm. So not only only did Kofi get that journey in that moment, but now we have our main titles being defended on the weekly shows. Right, exactly. And the whole whole women's revolution in general. Should we give it an award there for Kofi? Oh, we need to. It's time. It's time! It's time! Sorry for markings. Mark out moment of the week. I didn't want to go too much further because we have been known to forget a time or two on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're not the most, um, we don't have the best memories on this in the wrestling interwebs. So congratulations, Kofi Kingston. WWE championship in one hand, a mark out award in the other. He's getting our moment this week, Kofi. It was hard. I wanted to give him the performer. The performer is going to somebody else. Another bright spot in this where you're looking for silver linings on how WWE can rebuild. We're going to get to our next award winner in a second. Kofi Kingston, though, perfect time to give him this mark out moment award. Now, the moment, this is going to be used as a side debate. The moment itself is because we got a badass. Oh, I love marking out to moves in person. We got AJ <laughs> Styles, cool reverse DDT. He had it locked in on Sammy. And here comes Kofi with his crazy SOS semi-finisher, kind of finisher before the finisher move. That was awesome, folks. Go check that out. A unique move. It always stands out when you see moves on the weekly shows because they've gotten so stale when you see moves and stuff that you have never seen before. And that double reverse DDT slash SOS was a markout moment. And you knew our markout moment was going to come from a live show we were at. (laughs) Come on, guys. (laughs) It wasn't coming from Raw when we were at SmackDown. I love live wrestling. But I want to use Kofi's award, and I'm sorry, Kofi. Listen, you're getting a lot of credit accolades lately. You just sit back and chill for a second. Wes has a hot take. He, Wes, folks, Wes is a... Hey, hey, don't you do something here. (laughs) No, I, I simply I'm just, asked you a question. I feel like you're basically telling me Kofi's a B-plus player. I simply <laughs> asked you, could his finisher be more? What do you feel? And I'll put it out to the people out there. What do you all think? Of, what does he call it? Trouble in Paradise? Trouble in Paradise. To me, being there in person and seeing Kofi kick out of three back-to-back-to-back thunder bombs from Sami Zayn, and then getting up, kicking Satan, doing a little spinny kick to Sammy's face real quick that I've seen in every other match of this night and yeah. getting the one, two, three. It's kind of anticlimactic. Yeah. I think that, I do think that finisher's a little anticlimactic for this modern era. I don't know if I can really argue with you. I mean, I can't say that it's climatic. I can't say that it's <laughs> impactful. It's it's not. You're right. But I like I said before we hit record, I think 
Kofi has gotten lucky in that. And there's a couple other finishers like this um, that on the spot now I can't think of any, but maybe you can while I'm making my point here. But Kofi has got, has done this finisher for so long that you almost know he hits it, he wins. So you're marking out for the win. Bray's finisher, Sister Abigail. That shit doesn't look like it hurts half the time. Man, I love that one. It's That's when a he, bad one. When you get it right, it's good. Yeah. But it's so easy to not look impactful at yeah. all. Another one I've always, I know the skull crushing finale. I always thought that one. And Dolph Ziggler's the zigzag. I never liked, I never thought those were the most impactful finishers. Um, but that, those, that's an example. They do them for so long that the fans just start to mark out because they know that means win. So the finisher itself, you're not even really thinking about the fact that it didn't do much. But, um, yeah, I'm cool grandfathering Kofi in. We know he's been around a long time. That's been part of the story. Years ago, that spinny kick was <laughs> back cool in as the hell. olden days. That spinny kick meant a little more than it does now. You got all these, mm. all these indie whippersnappers. Kofi learned I mean, that kick in his days in Jamaica. Man, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so no, but my point is that markout moment award. That SOS is a cool finisher. I, like I, that I think finisher that'd be perfect better. as a finisher. I like that better. It seems a little dangerous, <laughs> but he's been doing it for so long. It feels like he's got it down. So. Shout out to Kofi, even though Wes wants to throw a little bit of uh, cold water on your on your hot streak right now. Just simply asked. <laughs> you just cooled him all the way off, man. Kofi may never be the same. Taking home another award, the champ. Retain his title, WWE title, twice in one week. Back-to-back nights. Back-to-back. What was... What was the other silver lining you said was getting our next award? It's time! It's time! It's Sorry for Markings, Markout Performer of the Week. No, it's time. We're going straight to the next award. But when you think about guys who can, who you're, the Ricochets, the Aleister Blacks, who you feel like maybe they're starting to get it right with early on and not ruining them from the start. I don't know if Sami Zayn fits into that mode because he's been around a little bit, but he's somebody who you thought could fall into the category of death as the good hand. Then he's somebody who you thought, like you said, in this era where it's impossible to build somebody who you thought, oh, Sami's got potential, but he's never going to be able to start that stepping stone to the intercontinental type because they just don't do that anymore. So Sammy's going to fall by the wayside. Now you have this interesting, awesome heat magnet heel. I don't know what, how to describe Sammy Zayn, but he's our performer of the week because he cut a hell of a promo on us. Hillbillies here in Kentucky, but this is more of a retro award again, because Sammy deserves all the credit not all the credit, but Sammy deserves most of the credit for just coming in and completely reinventing himself. And this is something that can work in the modern era. It's t- you can start building layers to this Sammy character. He doesn't now. He doesn't need any titles right now. He can build to that. I say that as somebody who just watched him get thrown into a dumpster on yeah. Raw. Yeah. But he was in a title match on SmackDown. Correct. That's. That's an interesting two days. <laughs> and this is where my theory of I, I kind of you don't need the formula as much as you used to of 
get him to the Intercontinental title. Because if a guy can utilize his platforms, his Twitter, and his microphone time to get this quick heat, or in Kofi's case, get this quick momentum, I don't think, I think it's okay for one night you booked him in this crazy segment where Braun the monster throws him in the dumpster. But he's been so good that the next night, because he's been just that good, I was, I'm was i always okay with giving guys that title match because it almost feels earned because of how much heat they've gotten or how good they've been. And maybe that's an you, adult, cynical way of looking at it. But Right. That's kind of a... Non-kayfabe way? Yeah. Like um, rewarding them? Correct. Because I think if you look at it in a kayfabe way, you have a guy who came back three weeks ago, has he won a match? I don't even know if he's he's had a match. But he has been thrown in a dumpster. Right. And then he gets a world title match. Right. Like, would it not be a little better? You can do all the things he's been good at, Mm -hmm. but he's beaten some lower card guys. He's winning matches, and then he's got a little bit of momentum, and then you think, well, shit, maybe Sammy, maybe he maybe could win. And to even further drive home your point, the reason why they can fall back on the fact that he hasn't done any of that is because you can say, well, the McMahons are heels, Sammy's a heel, and they want their heel. They like Sammy. They're going to give mm-hmm. Sammy the chance. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, But that doesn't mean it's good. I get that. that. That's the problem. That's the root of it. But the bottom line is Sammy's working his ass off. and I Oh, he's been doing fantastic work. So I, I hope that he starts to climb closer to the main event pitcher than the dumpster. Yes. <laughs> Another before we wrap up, another person that they've done this to is Lacey Evans, who you mentioned who this could work for. This is somebody who she went straight to the top. went straight to getting a WWE title match before she even had a match on the main roster. And I think part of that's you could say is a symptom of there not being much women's mid card wise. True. Who do you think has the stronger? I don't want to get off on a tangent, but this kind of relates to the weekly shows as we're wrapping them up. Right now, do the women, if you're arguing that they're not doing a good job of what you're saying right now, which is the stepping stone building, getting to the top, the natural organic way, who's doing better right now, the women or the men in that category? Are they both just equally disappointing? I would say the men are doing better. But not Um, not by... (laughs) It's because the women this week yeah. on SmackDown and I don't had even, a five-minute tag match. I don't need it to be a clear you know, stair step to the top. Like It doesn't have to be that formulaic. No. I just mean, I just want consequences and stories I can get invested in in mm-hmm. the middle. Right. <laughs> right. I don't want stuff I, I know I can skip because it won't mean anything if I miss it. Right. You're not going to be mad if it takes Ricochet a long time to get to the next stepping stone as long as what he's doing down in this stepping yeah. stone is exciting and has stakes and consequences. Right, cuz I don't want I don't want wrestling to be or WWE to become every year the next Kofi's getting that story in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like that would obviously get old very fast. Yeah. So you don't have the same formula. You don't but just give me something. You know, just give me something. Something to seek your teeth into other than the stuff at the very t- tip top of the card. Right. And before we go, speaking of the very tip top of the card, If you really want to fix this shit, because I want to get it off my chest before we get into the money and the sand and all this bullshit we're about to get into, you got to stop signing Goldberg and stop signing Brock. Like, you got to give the stars that you're at least trying to create time to get the star moments. And I know that's a broken record. But it's still happening because now we got Goldberg, who's going to be in the big match at Saudi Arabia. You got Brock Lesnar. I'm, I'm sure the bellows will pop up at some point. I, 
I just don't know, man. You just have so much talent. You have so much talent on that roster. We'll never have new stars if you don't let them have those moments. Mm-hmm. Give it to Andrade. Yeah. Give it to Aleister Black. Yeah. Give them like the Saudi Like we said, Arabia we've seen moments. that. You know, we saw at WrestleMania, we saw a lot of those moments. But then you see those signings and you, you know, we're in that gray area. You realize that we're still in the gray area, yeah. even though we're smack dab in the middle of, the, of a pretty good modern era. I'm intrigued to see where it goes. I lean towards the positive that I think WWE is going to come out of this starting probably in the fall. It's all going to end up looking pretty good is my prediction. But the Fox pressure is real. And just like every great saga and story, there's rhyming. And back around 1995, WWE was getting stale, and this hot new brand, WCW, came charging in. They did everything that WWE wasn't doing. They were cool. They were edgy. Eventually, WWE caught on and did it better, put them out of business. It's the year 2019. One would argue wrestling's getting kind of stale. There's this new company coming up, backed by billionaires with a TV contract, AW. It's all this indie stuff we've all been kind of wanting integrated into our weekly wrestling show, mixed with some flashiness and some swag, and they could give WWE at least a puncher's chance of a run for their money until WWE gets its shit together, gets to Fox, and realizes we can do the AEW better than them and utilizes their talent. And I think we'll all come out on the on the other end of it. The cycle's got to come back around, just like winter's coming, all that stuff. Game of Thrones, shout out to Arya, MVP. So that's hopefully what I envision for the long future. Short future, I'm not I'm not all I'm not all happy, but I'm not gonna sit here and complain about it every week either. Mainly because I get to sit around the wrestling water cooler with you fine people and mark out to all the stuff that it, good stuff that is going on. That's what you latch on to. Me and day one is H listener Alex had this conversation over the weekend. You hit these points as a WWE fan sometimes, but there's always there's good stuff out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a Sami Zayn fan, latch on to that. If you're a Bray Wyatt fan, latch on to whatever the hell that is. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, find hang on. There's a few th- right. Hang on for the ride. <laughs> there's a few things out there. Hang on to those. Focus on that. And let these other things build. I think there's some silver linings out there. I agree. And Sasha, come home. Sorry for marking. See you. (laughs) Yeah, did pretty good. I think so. I think it went well.